Are you ready? Yep, let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Jen. And I'm Amanda. And And you're listening to Fathomless. Welcome back. Welcome back to Fathomless. Welcome back. Welcome back. Sorry. Welcome back. We, uh... Oh, I was still going. Oh, my God. Are you still going? Let's <laughs> do it. Let's do it. Keep going. No, Sing your okay. song. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Fathomless. It was beautiful. Thank you so much. I worked I'm really so hard on writing those lyrics. Well, I'm so sorry that I interrupted you. Yeah, you cut me off. I, I feel terrible. It's what they're here for. It is exactly what the people <laughs> are here for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we hope you guys are having a great fucking day. Yeah. That last episode, I hope you were uh, as scared shitless as it made me. Yeah, Jen's still terrified. We're going to have to, like, I'm going to have to, like, close the blinds. For you. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like looking out your window right now and I'm like, mm-hmm. Like they just yep. might show up on your fire escape. They might, you never know. Oh my god. They won't. No. I feel like there's too many witnesses in Providence. Yeah. My neighbors are also too loud. I feel like I feel like it just wouldn't wouldn't work out for them. Yeah. yeah. Well we hope we uh scared you a little bit. With yeah, we that. hope you enjoyed that. Black eyed chill. I always want to see the black eyed peas. <laughs> the black eyed peas gonna show up on your door. Pump it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's exactly what's gonna happen. Imagine. <laughs> I got a feeling. No, I hate that song. It's the that's worst on the, one. That's on the do not play wedding list. Absolutely. Good to know. Oh my god, everyone, if you're getting married, make a do not play yeah. list for your it's a wedding. Great thing. Mine's just gonna say no country. <laughs> Mine's gonna say like no WAP, no Ed Sheeran, no, <laughs> no Ed Sheeran. Bruno Mars. All right, uh, no can ca- I? No Cardi B. Can I request some heavy metal with a mosh pit? Is I don't like, know. I feel like people are gonna be looking at us like, like one knocked loose song. It's gonna we'll go from pit. like Taylor Swift to Mexican music to knocked loose. I think that would be fine. To Bohemian Rhapsody to follow, boy. Beautiful. I can sing Bohemian Rhapsody right after we have a circle pit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we can jam to follow, boy. Beautiful. That sounds like a magical night. Yeah. (laughs) Amanda sent me a video uh, yesterday or today, and it was like us at your wedding, and it was just like, bunch of people like in a kitchen just rocking out to sugar we're going down yep. fall out boy and i'm like yeah yeah that's gonna be us it's gonna be like a <laughs> middle school dance just oh reincarnated yeah and i'm so excited so ready for it people except we're gonna we won't be have like liquor and gatorade bottles <laughs> it'll be a fun night it's gonna be great i'm so excited but you know what is not fun and happy and joyful oh, is God, what what we're going to be talking about today. I actually don't know anything about this case, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Or not <clears> excited, <throat> but I am. Excited to learn. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm here and I am ready for you to tell me all about it. Okay. So I'm going to be discussing a case today that I started researching a while back. Um, it's just one of, those, one of those cases that just became like, 
very heavy. It was a lot. I kind of just had to put it down and revisit it like a few separate times. So I've been looking into this case for a while. Um, it's it's kind of confusing the timeline I'm going to tell it in. I'm kind of just going to give you the beefy details and then we're going to kind of go through a timeline of okay. the background. It's it's really, really, really confusing because you'll, you'll find out. You'll find out. There's a lot of murder and there's a lot of unanswered questions surrounding this case oh boy. still today. Oh, shit. Um, so I guess let's just tell you all about it let's do it so four bodies are discovered in bear brook state park in allenstown new hampshire 15 years apart oh my god uh like each one was found within a span of 15 years or um two were found and then 15 later 15 years later two more were found in the same circumstances and it's all related okay so, uh, the Bearbrook murders, also referred to as the Allenstown Four, are four murder victims discovered in Bearbrook State Park in Allenstown, New Hampshire. Two victims were found in 1985, and then the other two were found uh, 15 years later in the year 2000. Oh, wow. Yep. So, all four victims were partially, if not completely, skeletonized, and they were thought to have disappeared and died between the years of 1977 in 1981. Wow. So they don't know exactly when they even Yeah. It's hard died. to tell when, yeah. when all you've got is skeletal remains. Yeah. You can just basically kind of get like a ballpark area kind of date. Yeah. And um, they, they didn't even know who they were for the longest time. So they couldn't even guess their approximate age or where if they were from the area. So we'll I'll tell you all about it. Wow. That's um, like the... Uh, New Bedford Highway Killer, like a lot of them, they were unidentified for a while. Yeah. And they just kind of piece it together. That's why this case is like a little all over the place. Yeah. Because it's like it gets pieced together at different times. And um, so the cause of death for all four victims was determined to be blunt force trauma. So they all died in the same way. Oh, wow. And it would take decades for authorities to identify most of the victims. Most. So, not all. Yep. Um, It wasn't until 2017 that investigators named Terry Peter Rasmussen as their prime suspect. I don't know if I'm saying his last name wrong. I don't really give a shit if I'm saying his last name wrong. I want to say Rasmussen. Like Rasputin. But I feel like that's also probably wrong. I'm just going to say Rasmussen. I don't know. Should I say Rasmussen? R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N. No, it's probably not that because there'd probably be an e next to the u so rasmussen probably okay. it doesn't care. matter he's, piece of shit. he's dead now um yeah i'll just refer to him as terry yeah fucking terry <laughs> so his identity again it wasn't until 2017 that they linked him to these murders oh shit yeah i'm just kind of getting into the details wow. right away um his identity was confirmed via DNA from a son from his first marriage. Wow. His what? DNA also matched one of the young victims of the Allenstown Four. He was said to be the father of this victim. Oh my god. So not only is he a suspect in the Bear Brook murders, but it's believed that he has committed several other murders. Oh wow. 
And it was the the first bodies were found in what you said, 1985. And it was 2017 when this dude finally got Was connected in, yeah. yeah. Lived a whole last life. Yeah, but he didn't stay out of trouble. Okay. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about the area of Fairbrook State Park. It is a 10,000 acre preserve in Allenstown, New Hampshire, which is like right outside of Manchester. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it is one of New Hampshire's largest national parks. It serves as a campground, a place for people to hike, fish, swim. There's a ball field, a playground. Um, so, you know, people yeah. frequent this park a lot. And the state park takes its name from the Bear Brook stream that runs through the park. Oh, okay. So three of the four victims were biologically related and weren't identified until 2019. Isn't that Holy fucked shit. up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch. What is like I love that last name. Oh my god. Yeah. I love that's like the most wholesome last name ever. Yeah. Marlies Elizabeth Honeychurch and her two daughters. They had different fathers. Her daughters were Marie Elizabeth Vaughn and Sarah Lynn McWaters. And they were all last seen in November of 1978. The other young victim, the one whose DNA was a match to Terry, remains unidentified to this day. They just know that it is biologically his daughter. And, like, nobody knows a name? Nobody Nobody knows a name. We'll get into that a little bit later about the unidentified girl. Because they have recently made potential connections. So. But nothing, like, confirmed. Um, They don't know, like, who her mother is, but they trace her, like, lineage back to, like, a certain area. I'll get into it. I'll get into it. (laughs) So let's back up. A little bit. So I kind of just gave you, um, like, the overtones. Yeah. And who they were, that they were found, and that they were unidentified until a couple years ago. So a boy named Jesse Morgan grew up in a trailer park that was surrounded by the woods of Bear Brook Park. In 1985, he was 11 years old, and he was playing hide-and-seek with his friends. One of these friends approached Jesse and told him that he had found a barrel in the woods off the trail. He described this barrel as a slightly rusted dark blue barrel, a blue 55-gallon steel drum. Oh, God. They found it odd that it was there, and this friend who found the barrel was attempting to take the top off of it. And (sighs) when he did, a god-awful putrid smell came from the barrel. Another boy that was there pushed it over, and they all watched it fall on its side. This is when they all just left, not knowing that there were human remains inside. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So they're playing with the barrel. They get the top off of it, push it over. It smells bad, and they just dip at this point. Four months after this, on November 10th, 1985, a hunter in Bearbrook State Park came upon um, a metal 55-gallon drum near a burned-down store in the park. He opened this drum and found the bodies of an adult female and an adult girl. Sorry. Adult female and a young girl, and they were wrapped in plastic. And they were, like, fully decomposed, kind of? Um, this was 1985. They don't know exactly when they died, but when they were found, they were skeletonized. Okay. So... 
or partially. So yeah, definitely enough that they weren't recognizable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they didn't know who they were. They had to make like composites and I don't know if they did like busts or anything like that, but composites oh over the God. years of who they could be. Um, so open it up found these two bodies, um, an adult female and a young girl wrapped in plastic. The Allenstown Police Department got a call from dispatch from dispatch that a hunter needed an officer to come down to Bear Brook State Park right away. When authorities got to the park, they said that the hunter was very, very white, very pale. I mean, he just found yeah. some dead bodies. Oh my god, I, I would be, be too. pale too. Uh, the hunter said, "There's a barrel up in the woods, and I think there's some bones in there." Ugh. I hate this. The New Hampshire State Police immediately looked into their mer- missing persons files, but they were unable to identify the bodies. Their autopsy- autopsies determined that they, again, died from blunt force trauma, and they were later buried in Allenstown Cemetery. So, they, so sad. They, yeah, I mean, they buried them, but they later had to exhume their bodies for DNA purposes. Um, but we're going to go to May 9th. 2000 the remains of two more young girls were found not far from where the first two victims were found um i said i saw that um somewhere it was like only like 100 yards away so not too far at all but they initially didn't find it in the first crime scene sweep i guess yeah they too were in a metal 55 gallon drum and their cause of death was also blunt force trauma investigators believe that all four murders occurred roughly at the same time even though they were found 15 years apart their reasoning for not finding it back in 1985 is because the drum was located outside of the proximity you got this proximity (laughs) um (laughs) of the initial crime scene so i don't know how big the initial crime scene was but they weren't they probably do like a certain mile radius or something and but a hundred yards like i don't that, know yeah, how true kinda... that was but it's weird yeah Very um, weird. yeah so before being identified the adult victim was said to be a caucasian woman with possible native american ancestry and she was estimated to be between 23 and 33 years old she had curly brown hair and was between 5'2 and 5'7 and she had very specific dental work done the three young girls were also thought to have had Native American heritage based on their complexion. Uh, the young girl who was found with the adult female was determined to be between 5 and 11 years old. She had light, wavy brown hair, was between 4'3 and 4'6, had two earrings in each ear, and had a crooked front tooth. She had a space between her two front teeth. The unidentified middle child was between 2 and 4 years old, about 3 foot 8, had an overbite, and she also had a gap between her two front teeth. She was proven to be Terry Rasmussen's daughter based on DNA, and this DNA analysis determined she was primarily Caucasian with a slight, slight Asian, African, and Native American descent. And this wasn't suggested until February of 2020. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of the discoveries in this case weren't. Till like couple the years. past couple years. Yeah. So the youngest child was between one and three years old, between two foot one and two foot six, had long blonde hair or light brown hair, and she also had a gap between her front teeth. Despite hundreds of leads, their bodies could not be identified. 
The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children created new versions of the victim's facial reconstructions in June of 2013. These new versions included dental details, so showing their teeth can affect their appearances. So, I mean, it's been a long time since they're found, so they're going back in the case, making different composites, just trying to, I guess, revive it, do anything they can to ask people people if, yeah, figure out who they are. Um, so two years later, in November of 2015, a third version of Reconstructions was made at a news conference at the New Hampshire State Attorney's Office. So, like, they were really wanting to figure out who these people were. In 2014, DNA profiling proved that the adult victim was maternally related to the oldest and youngest girls, meaning she could have been either their mother, aunt, or older sister. It was determined a year later in 2015 that she was, in fact, their mother. Investigators have also conducted that they lived in the area where their bodies were found. And through forensic testing, the middle child is most likely from Arizona, Texas, California, or Oregon. Because we'll get into Terry's background, and he traveled a lot. And that was the middle child was the... The, the little one, right? That's unidentified. She was the middle-aged child. Okay. So the mother had her name. We know her name is Marlise. Yeah. I already told you at the beginning. And not the, She had the two baby. daughters. Yep. She had two daughters. One was a baby. The other was a little bit older. Okay. Um, and then the middle child was not biologically related to the other, to girls, the other girls, but related to Terry Osmussen. Okay. It was his biological daughter. It, you'll, it'll make more sense. No, that's okay. I just, I wanted to clarify. I'm sure someone out there listening was struggling. To it's decide. very, very confusing. It's so hard when, like, there's so much time between things because you do. You kind of have to, like, hop back and forth. But then, like, you need to give them the context for the context. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I feel like if I started, like, oh, like, here's the bodies like yeah. they didn't know who they were and then it's just like i wanted to go back into his background i wanted to yeah. go back into marlise's background a little bit yeah it comes together and it makes sense okay okay <laughs> um so in january of 2017 uh it was made public that an ex-girlfriend of terry her name was denise bowden she was connected to she wasn't connected to the murders but she went missing from new hampshire she disappeared from Manchester, New Hampshire, specifically, along with her young daughter and her then-boyfriend, Bob Evans. And I'm doing air quotes. Okay. Okay. Bowden, who disappeared in 1981, was not reported missing until 2016 what? when her infant daughter that went missing as well, back way back when, 1981, she just resurfaced and was alive and well in California. Yeah, she was, like, searching for her birth mother. Jesus. She used an open data genomic... I don't know if I'm pronouncing words correctly. It's been a long day of martinis. It has been. It has. We went out to eat. I'm like, da-da-da-da-da-da. So she used a genetic website. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like a genealogy kind of website. Yep. To trace her birth mother back to Denise Bowden. Bob Evans was just another alias for Terry Rasmussen. Ah. Even though at this point in time, the adult victim had not been identified, 
authorities stated that it was not Denise Bowden. Okay. So just another missing person in the case. Um, Ross Swanson was a career criminal, and he was known as many different aliases, thus being dubbed as the Chameleon Killer. Shit. Yeah, so that's his fun little nickname. Terry was, doesn't deserve a name like that. No, what? so that's way too cool for we, him. <laughs> he was he had a lot of different names. So Curtis Kimball, Gordon Jensen, Larry Vanner, and as we already know, Bob Evans. Not one of them good names either. No, like, not give at all. A cool name, dude. You're just gonna be like, I'm Terry. I'm Jerry. I'm Bob. I'm Curtis Kimball. Like, yeah. okay, sir. That sounds. That just sounds <laughs> it does. like. Larry Vanner, like, okay. Where do you get these? Like a fucking. Go something, go for something generic, like Bob Smith. Like, no one's going to find you with that fake name. So weird. So I guess, like, let's get into the background of this Terry fellow. Yeah. Um, so Terry Peter Rasmussen was born in Colorado in 1943. He grew up in Arizona, and by his sophomore year of high school, he had already dropped out. He enlisted in the U.S. Navy in 1961 and was discharged in 1967. And this is when he moves to Hawaii to work at his parents' shoe shop. In 1968, he marries his first wife in Hawaii, moves back to Phoenix, Arizona. And the next year, this is where he has two more twin, he has two more kids, twin daughters. Okay. Um, in 1970, he moves his family to Redwood City, California, where he got a job as an electrician. His son was born the same year. In 1972, he goes on to have another child, a daughter, and then this is when him and his wife temporarily, temporarily separate. In 1973, he moves back to Phoenix, where he eventually gets arrested for aggravated assault. So here's his first offense. Um, he's also charged with the same thing just a year later. And this is when it's believed that his wife and kids just left him at this point. In late 1975, early 1976, Terry visits with his family unexpectedly in Payson, Arizona, with an unidentified woman. He told his family that he was living in an apartment in Ingleside, Texas, and this is the last time his family saw him. In 1978, his divorce was finalized, but his whereabouts were unknown, Though he did call a friend that year saying that he was working in Texas on an oil rig and needed to borrow some money. So November of this year, this is 1978. Sorry, I'm throwing a lot. Of, no, you're just kind of going I'm through following. his whereabouts. I'm following through. Um, November of this year, Rasmussen is introduced as Marley's Honeychurch's boyfriend during Thanksgiving at her mother's house. Um, I'll get more into that in a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry for jumping all over around. But I, are you catching on? Are you confused? I am following. Okay. You good. Just keep going. Okay. Girl. In 1980, Rasmussen is arrested in Manchester, New Hampshire, under the name Robert T. Evans. Bob Evans. Another shit name. Yep. Uh, for writing a bad check back in December of 79. Elizabeth Evans is listed as his wife on the arrest report. Later that year, in October, he is arrested again in Manchester under the same alias for diverting electric current. Jesus, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's just like, why? He this supervillain? Like, I, he was a career criminal, and they do yeah. crazy things. 
So this brings us to November of 1981, where Terry and his girlfriend, Denise Bowden, go missing shortly after Thanksgiving with Denise's six-month-old daughter. So they're all, you know, happy family, and then they just go missing. By 1984, Terry is back in California, and he is hired at an electrical company under the name Kurtz Kimball. And he works there. And like social, this is back like in the 80s. This dude must have had like I just. It's harder to fake an identity these days. I think I just can't. I, I wouldn't can't be able even. to. I wouldn't be able to lie long enough to do that. Um, but he works there until May of 1985 when he is arrested in Cypress, California, for a DUI. So January 28th, 1954, is when Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch is born in Connecticut. So a little bit in her background. She was the second oldest of five children, and her family moved from Stamford, Connecticut to Lakewood, California when she was 15 years old in a sophomore in high school. This is when she meets a guy and, you know, has a boyfriend. So she marries this guy in June of 1971 when she was just 16 years old, and they eloped to Vegas. I guess you could do that back then. Yeah. Get married at 16. I mean, you can do that now. That's crazy. Yeah. That's Certain insane. States, I think it's even younger, too. And then you, you need parents need, sign yeah, off. Yeah, you need parental consent or a, like a judge sign off, but you can still do it. Um. So by December of this year, Marlise gives birth to her, to her first daughter, Marie Elizabeth Vaughn. In June of 1972, Marlise and her family moved back to Stamford, Connecticut to live with her father. And the next year, Marlise her husband, and their daughter moved to Fall River, Massachusetts, while her husband was based nearby in the Navy. Wow. Fall River. Um, But by July, her and her husband and daughter would move back to California, and soon enough, she uh, separates from her husband, and she's meeting someone else, and she's already married by February of 74. So, damn. Yeah. She's just kind of... Hopping around yeah, the country and divorcing and going remarrying. Going where the wind takes and, her, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Um, so her and her husband, again, officially divorced in 1974. And by September, she's already married her second husband. So by 1976, they are believed to be living in Santa Ana, Santa Ana, California. I think it's Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Someone correct me. But that also might just be us northerners making all our vowels extra long i don't think i feel like people are lost right now they're like i don't care how you pronounce it get to the point right um so in august of that year marie's father marlise's first husband sees them both in hawaii gardens california and this would be the last time that he saw marlise and his daughter one year later in 1977 marlise's second daughter is born sarah lynn mcwaters and this marriage would be short-lived as well because marlise and her second husband separate and he would gain custody of Sarah while Marlise is given visitation rights. By October of 78, Sarah's father gets into a new relationship and is not seen with his daughter anymore. She's presumed to be with her mother, and in November of this year, this brings us back to Thanksgiving, where Marlise is at her mother's house for Thanksgiving dinner in La Puente, California. And that was the last time that their family, or her family, mother saw her yep so she is uh she brings terry she introduces her family to terry rasmussen 
He goes by his legal name. Yeah. This day. So um, these are boyfriend. Yeah. And this would be the one and only time they meet him because Marlies has an argument with her mother. It suggested that it was about Terry and how I don't think he's good for you. Yeah, he might be he too old for you. Weirdo. They get into and an Mom argument. Probably caught on to it. Yep. They get into an argument, and she leaves. They leave. She takes her kids, and they are never seen again. This uh, is the last time she ever saw or spoke to her family. So sad. Okay, so this brings us to 1985. They went missing in 78. Yeah. 1985, this is when the first barrel is found in Bearbrook State Park. This is the barrel that contained the female adult and the female child who weren't identified until June of 2019 as Marlies Honeychurch and her daughter, Marie Vaughn. And this is actually the same year that Marlies's family had hired a private investigator to find Marlies and her children. Yeah. Because they hadn't seen her in seven, seven years. years. Yeah. So in January of 1986, Terry is in Santa Cruz County, California, living and working at the Holiday Hose RV Park in Scotts Valley under the name Gordon Jensen. By June, he abandons Denise Bowden's daughter in California and flees. Denise would not be considered a missing person again until December of 2016. I didn't really go too into her background about why she wasn't reported missing. Um, but things in the 80s, they just, people ran off and they're like, yeah. oh, they just want to be free. And, and some people like, run away with their boyfriend or she's an adult and she make her own decisions. Yeah. So, by September, authorities have made a connection in the form of a fingerprint match between Gordon Jensen and Curtis Kimball. They don't know he's Terry Rasmussen yet. They just know, they're like, hmm, these two guys have the same fingerprint. In November of 1988, he's pulled over in San Luis Obispo, California, using the name Jerry Mockerman. He was driving a stolen vehicle from Preston, Idaho. So he's not being very, yeah, he's a horrible criminal. He's so sloppy. In March of 1989, Terry is arrested in California on warrants for child abandonment and was sentenced to three years in prison, but got parole in November of, uh, sorry, October of 1990. But then he flees the following day. Several years later in 1998, He's pulled over in California again using the name Lawrence William Vanner and is giving a citation for not having insurance or a driver's license. He doesn't even have a real fucking ID, it seems. So why would he have anything? Why would he have insurance? Lisa, his worries, driving stolen cars and shit. Right. So um, in May of 2000, the second barrel was found in Bearbrook State Park. Um, this is, again, the barrel that contained the bodies of the two female children, the younger child, um, Marlies' other daughter, Sarah, and the middle unidentified child. In June of 2002, Terry's current girlfriend, and I'm so sorry if I say her name wrong, it's spelled E-U-N-S-O-O-N, Eunson, 
Sounds right. Yunsen Jun. She was a chemist from California. And she the N is silent. Is it Yusen? Yusen. I have no idea. Maybe. I'm going to say Yunsen. Oh, I'm going to say Yunsen. Um, she disappears from Richmond, California. In December of 1999, Yunsen introduced her family to her boyfriend, a Larry Vanner, and she seemed to be head over heels in love with this guy. Would you be Sooner, head over heels in love with a man named Larry? I don't know. And I'm so that sorry. wasn't so it wasn't even his real name. He was lying to her the whole time. Larry Terry. By June of 20 uh, 2002, she had suddenly cut off all communication with everybody, all her friends or family, and I mean, her before that her family was like, "He's starting to isolate her," and then she cuts off all communication. But she doesn't just cut off communication. She goes missing. Officers were alerted by friends and family, and they eventually were able to search the home of Terry and Yunsen, or Larry, whatever the fuck name he decided to say that day. Yeah, Larry Terry. I, like, he, how did he get, like, all these identities straight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, unfortunately, uh, she was found in a crawl space in the basement, and her Ugh. cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma to oh the head. Oh, my God. Ugh. So he's got a theme. Um, but she was also, I hate, I hate it, but she was dismembered and just basically just discarded of and so just like sad. put her in a crawl space. It's like, what the fuck? It's one thing to like kill a person, but to dismember their body, yeah, that's just, just like a whole extra yeah. layer that is just like, what the fuck? It's very dehumanizing. So Terry is arrested in November of that year for the homicide of his girlfriend and violating his parole. He was convicted of Yunsun's murder in June of 2003 and was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. In August of 2003, the DNA testing confirmed that he was not the biological father to the child that he abandoned, Denise Bowden's daughter. And um, unfortunately, this fucker dies in December of 2010 while serving time at the High Desert Prison in Susanville, California. Screw you, Terry. Yeah. It's like, I mean, luckily they caught him for the murder. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm glad he got caught for one of the murders, but, like, there's so many answers. And this is in 2010. Remember, he didn't get connected to the Bear Brook State Park murders until 2017. Yeah. So seven years after his death, they finally know that this is the guy that did it. And there's nothing they can do because he fucking died. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, in July of 2016, the San... I can't ever say these, like, huge, long California town names. I'm sorry to the people from California, Susie. (laughs) San Bernardino. Yeah, San Bernardino. You did that right. I did that right. Okay. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department contacted authorities in New Hampshire in reference to Terry's connections there. In October, DNA testing confirmed that he was the biological father of the middle child found in the Bear Brook State Park in 2000. And again, this is the child that remains unidentified. She's the only victim that is unidentified to this day. It's so sad. In 2017, authorities announced that they believe Terry Rasmussen is responsible for the deaths. Yeah, yeah. he definitely fucking is. But for the deaths of at least six people. So oh these four, God. his ex-girlfriend... Um, Denise, yeah, and Yunsen. 
Um, so far, uh, they think that he may have also killed the mother of the unidentified, of the unidentified child. Aww. Her identity and whereabouts are unknown. They have no idea who she is, where she came from. Um, a research librarian named Rebecca Heath, she became obsessed with this case. And she wanted to help identify these victims. So they were basically identified thanks to her. She joined an online message board and connected with a woman who was looking for her missing family members. A woman and her two daughters whose ages and location matched three of the victims. This woman also told Heath that her missing family member was married to a man with the last name Rasmussen. Okay. Uh, yeah. So at this, we like by this yeah. time we know Russ Musson. We know yeah, the name now. Exactly. At this time, investigative genetic geneolo- genealogist Barbara Ray Venter was in the process. Sorry, was in the process of making identifications of the victim through a new technique that involved extracting DNA from a shaft of a strand of hair, cool. from the shaft of a strand of hair. So the next year, in May 2018, this researcher was listening to a podcast about the Bearbrook murders and wondered if Marlise and her missing children could be connected to this case. Because she's connected with the family yeah. on the message board. So she contacted the person who made this message board post and learned that Marlise was last seen with a man named Terry Rasmussen because he got sloppy and used his real name. I feel like this connection would have never been made if he used one of his fake names. Yeah. I mean, maybe eventually because they know, like, yeah. all these fake names. But oh, I feel like it would have been harder. Yeah, it would have been harder. Again. So this relative was unaware of the significance, but it was a breakthrough for Rebecca, the researcher. With this information, Heath was called. Uh, sorry. With this information, Heath called the tip into police. Rebecca Heath if you were confused on who Keith was. (laughs) Um, The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children was contacted by investigators the very next day with this potential lead. So they took it seriously. This research librarian was like, I'm obsessed with this. I'm going to try. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much thanks to her, it got solved. So New Hampshire State Police partnered with genealogists, again, Barbara Ray Venter, whose work led to the identification of the Golden State Killer. And on June 6, 2019, when authorities revealed the identities of the three victims found the barrels as Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch and her children, Marie Vaughn and Sarah McWaters. Um, Just a few days later, one of Russ Musson's biological daughters said in an interview that she hopes more can be done to protect children from parents who are suffering from addiction and mental illness like her father. So sad. So they're like got confirmation that he was a fucked up guy. Yeah. Clearly. Um so in November of 2019, Marlise and her oldest daughter Marie were laid to get rest together with a new headstone with their names on it in Allenstown, New Hampshire. I think we should go visit. We definitely should. Um it's like an hour away from my house. The youngest daughter was buried in Connecticut near her father's family. Oh. Even though 30 years had passed since Marlise had disappeared, her family never stopped looking for her. And it was a bittersweet moment for the family to give them a proper burial. And, you know, they at least had, they at last had their names back. And, yeah. could, you know, 
hopefully finally rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, they have a little bit of closure. So in February of 2020, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the New Hampshire State Police released a new rendering for the remaining unidentified victim. On this poor girl. Yep. So on January 21st, 2021, authorities in Louisiana announced that new genealogy research shows that the unidentified victim might have relatives from Pearl River County, Mississippi. Oh, wow. Yeah. This DNA testing has identified two of her possible ancestors, Thomas Mitchell, born in 1836, and William Livings, born in 1826. So they have names of two relatives. Yeah. I mean, born in the 1800s, so yeah, not but alive I mean, anymore. If more people are like, oh, that's my lineage. Those, yeah, lineage then. Authority be- believe that someday. Uh, someone will remember a woman in Pearl River County who vanished with her child decades ago. That's yeah. it, that part like gave which just gave me ugh. chills reading it. Like somebody will remember. Somebody it's has so to know sad. this person. Yeah. The child was born in the mid seventies and was between the ages of two and four when she died. Um, and given what authorities know about the killer now, they also believe the girl's mother is also deceased. Yeah. Oh. Um, I could have gone way more into this case. Oh, I bet. Um, there's so much on it. There's podcasts, there's Reddit, there's page after page after page on any search engine. Yeah. Um, that's just like the gist of the information. I'm Which sorry. Is still just crazy. If it was all over the place, I'm sorry if it you was kind of hard know. to follow, but I just, I, there was no like. If I worked on it for another, like, few months, I feel like I could have really had, like, a cliffhangers yeah. and stuff. But I was just, like, there, there's no easy way for me to organize this in my mind right now. I just have to yeah, just hop get back and forth between the timelines. But basically, this guy was a queer criminal. He was dating lots of women. And he was just murdering lots of women. Just being dude with fake names. And, you know, she was seen last in California, ended up in New Hampshire. She was from New England anyway. So I'm sure she was like, let's move out to New England. And, you know, he probably got angry and fucking beat all these people and shoved them in barrels and thought he could get away with it because he was getting away with a lot of shit for a long time. Yeah. Um, And it just sucks that it took so long for them to be found. Yeah. One identified and identified, and we still have one who isn't identified. Yeah, we just so sad. I think now, I think because they have some sort of lineage, yeah, it's definitely. I'm sure. I mean, look at what we saw with Lady of the Dunes and with the boy in the box. Like, I guarantee you, within the next couple of years, it'll it'll come out and it'll happen, but it just sucks because they don't know, like. His timeline, like there are gaps in his timeline and yeah, all these like aliases. It's just like in, and those are only the ones they know. He might have had other ones that he only used once or twice that we don't know but about. But what happened that day that they died? Like yeah, what the like, fuck what happened? happened? What and we'll set never it off. know because before they it's even fucking put, Terry died. Before they even before they even put the pieces together yeah i don't think he went to jail as terry rasmussen though no it seems like he went to jail under 
Different, whatever fucking yeah, name I mean, they he's had using. his fingerprints under two names in the system so yeah so it just this case just like it frustrates me and it baffles me and i can't i still have trouble like making sense of it because i'm just like i got into his timeline and his movements and then you know i got into marlise's timeline and she was only 24 she's not she was 24 so I don't know. You think you fucking know someone and they're using fake names and living all these fucking fake ass lives and fucking Terry Rasmussen. Yeah. Terry, you suck. You're just like. I am. What are your thoughts? Do you I'm have annoyed, any? I'm annoyed, but. I literally, like, I'm annoyed. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, but it's just mind blowing. And I just, I really, really hope that we will figure out who that girl is i feel like soon. that's like the last thing that that can be done for this case oh definitely like, yeah i mean really nothing there's, there's nothing gone, else there's really nothing we'll never really know what happened that day because we can't find out from the people who died and we can't find out from terry i feel like he definitely had something to do with the mother because oh most definitely no mother wouldn't be searching you know what i mean yeah Ex- yeah exactly like no other wouldn't be searching but that also makes me believe what if and maybe it won't be in, you know, New Hampshire, but what if in another state we find another barrel with an unidentified body in it? Like, how many times does that happen? It actually happens pretty often. So, like, yeah. that's... I mean, what's so that crazy. place in Texas, the Killing Fields? Yeah. There was a doc- documentary on that, and it was just, like, year after year after year, they just kept finding bodies, like, 100 feet from each other, it's and... Just, yeah. Mind-blowing. So that is the Bear Brook State Park murders. Um, Thanks. I hated all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like when I was researching it, like I said, I had to put it down. And then I finished the research this week. And I just like I, I have to put it away. Like I have to put this one away because it's just like I could just reiterate the same fucking. Yeah. Bullshit. Like over and over, over and over and over again. But um definitely want to listen to that podcast on it there's a podcast or two on it like yeah solely dedicated oh definitely. so there's like yeah there you know i just kind of brushed over the main themes i guess um but yeah so i know what episode amanda's doing next that i'm so excited and i'm so excited and um i hope you're ready for a little history lesson because yep. It ain't an Amanda special without... Yeah, without some dark history, <laughs> Without guys. a history lesson. It is. All right, let's put this away. Stay spooky. Stay scary. And stay, stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Love you. We love you. We love you. I love you. I love you. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.